Welcome to A Bevy of Bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club. My name's Noddy, joined as always by Steve-O, and in this episode number 21, we're going to talk about the game just played against the Dockers, a few general topics in the AFL, the game ahead against the Bombers, and finish off with all of our tips for the rest of the round. So to all you Signets and Swanlings out there, fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Last Sunday afternoon on the 25th of July, in front of almost 3,000 people at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast, the sixth place Sydney Swans defeated the 10th place Fremantle Dockers by 40 points, with a final score of 14-14-98 to 8-10-58. Okay, Steve, first impressions, what did you think of that? Oh, it was another strange game, wasn't it? I mean, after the Giants last week. Um, and they started off really strong and, you know, I thought we were maybe going to be in a bit of trouble, but then they didn't really do much on the back of their good work. They never got the margin past three goals. And then by halftime, we were in front. The best player was off hurt. And from what midway into the second quarter, they went one and a half quarters without scoring a goal. And we piled eight on. It was, it was really weird game. I mean, like as soon as we got ahead, and I don't usually feel this when I'm watching the Swans play. Usually I'm far more anxious watching the Swans. But as soon as we got ahead, um, I thought, yeah, we're probably good. And that was when we were ahead by a couple of points. And then it felt like, you know, almost two full quarters of junk time. It was a really strange game of footy. Yeah, I agree. Um, but it's still, I, I was still quite relieved to get the win. Obviously, um, I think a lot's been said. It was a similar kind of game to last week's game where we had this slow start. They jumped out of the blocks, not as badly as uh, the Giants got us in first quarter last week, but still um, we were rattled and they, 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 they got us there in the, in the beginning. But then once we clicked into gear and we started laying on that, I guess, you know, Sydney Swans pressure, we worked ourselves back into the game um, and we got ahead and we, we were a bit wasteful, but we got the win. So it was good, um, even though we didn't finish the game as I was hoping and probably a lot of Swans fans, and that was to kick on and improve that percentage. Um, we nevertheless held off that mini resurgence that the Dockers had to close off the game and get our fourth win in a row. So it was good in that regard. Um, in terms of your key takeaways, mate, what were they? Yeah, it is, I guess I'll just add something on quickly to that too. When you think about the Giants game, it was it was really a bit of a shadow of the Giants game. The difference for me was in the Giants game, even towards the end when we were still out by a bit of points, I thought, you know, the Giants are a good enough team. They might still have a chance if we let them back in, whereas Fremantle just stopped. Hey, like they really... At one point, it was like they weren't even playing footy anymore. It was a really strange game. Um, well, lucky for us, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they just they said, "No, nope, we're over. We'll we'll see you guys in the fourth quarter." Because um, this was this was one of these. It was another one of these danger games, and we uh, we just did what we had to do to get the win uh, and some. And we'll go through that. But um, yeah, so I was relieved in that regard that we got got the win. But. Um, yeah, key takeaways, mate. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, look, for me, I mean, this sets us up, I mean, for the year and, and for finals. And um, if you think about the broader picture, I mean, we get focused in on the on the week-to-week doing this, and I think it, just in terms of this season. But last year, we came third last. In 2019, we came fourth last. And now, with four weeks to go, we're looking pretty good for finals. I mean, one more win out of these four, and you would say we're a lock for finals. I think most people, most commentators are saying now that we are already. But... You know, it's, until it's done, it's not done. But one more and we're guaranteed we're on that 13 wins, which does not miss out on finals in the last decade of, of AFL. And of the other 11 teams that have got finals ambition, so the top 12, not including us, we've beaten nine of them. And the other two were losses by less than two goals, which was Port and Melbourne, which were games that we were in. So we don't really have anything to fear from, um, from our potential fellow finalists, which is really good. And, you know, we're one of the form teams of the comp. 
um, over the last couple of weeks. Teams are really throwing everything at us. And the past couple of weeks, that's happened and we've responded well. Hopefully we can do it again because we've got some more tough games coming up. But then having said that, I um, I would not be surprised if we do put in one more shocker before the end of the year, the next four weeks, if we drop one of, you know, probably the next three, either, either Essendon, St Kilda or North are all games that I think that, you know, if they really come at us and we have an off day, we could easily get done. Yeah, and then they did. Yeah. They were looking tired. I think in the last quarter against um, against Fremantle, there was a bit of tiredness that seemed to be creeping in. Yeah, definitely. I look. I think we still need to acknowledge that we we have two of our genuine starters out, and one of those is like elite in Mills and Cunningham. But nevertheless, look. I think um, it was either Fox or some one of those other um, media outlets said that or did a bit of analysis and said since round twelve we're actually the second ranked team on wins and losses. So uh, I think it's got a lot to do with our pressure. And I'll, I'll just quote Longmuir. Uh, Long um, I always get confused when uh, we play the Dockers because it's Jay Longmire versus Jay Longmuir. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mouthful there. But um, so he, he said, um, so they, they basically should have been up by more. And I think that they, they could have been, um, but they needed to be better when the opposition got on top. But A, they couldn't match Sydney's pressure and B, they couldn't buffer it by owning the ball. So again, it's that we're throwing like a left-right of um, increasing the tackle pressure and at the same time getting that uncontested possession, so starving the opposition of the chance of getting it. So, yeah, look, I, we've already touched upon um, the eight goals that we scored to get us back in the game. That's the second week in a row after the Giants game where we kicked nine consecutive goals to get back into it. Um, I think uh, this is without notice, Steve-O, we're trying to think of the last... Uh, games this year where we may have had a good run of consecutive goals and I think what, what do, which games did you say we may have had a, a, a good shot at that in I think it was uh, without looking cat- at anything like without checking anything I would probably guess that I mean the Cats we came back from a fair few down we probably had to put on a decent run of goals to get back into that game probably at least five or something ish I'm not sure and then probably Brisbane or Richmond when we when we really belted those two teams they're the only ones I could think of where we probably had really long and maybe against Carlton I think I think Carlton, they did. They tend 22. to give up blocks of goals. Yeah. Maybe that one, yeah. Maybe maybe even the Crows um, mm, as yeah. well. But but I don't remember, yeah, um, nine consecutive or eight consecutive. So that's, in my mind, that's standing out in the last two weeks. So that's something um, to show that even even though we're up against it, we're in a hub, we've got players out, we're still, you know, and, and, and it's against us in the first quarter, we're coming back into it. So for me... Second week in a row now with that, we've weathered a, um, a solid opening quarter from the opposition, fought our way back in, gone on to win. So for my mind, the key takeaway is it's another step up in our maturity through that experience. But yeah, it'd be a bit of homework. We'll, uh, we'll figure out the other consecutive runs this week and, uh, and add, add that in next week's episode. Um, all right, I'm going to do a quick breakdown of the quarter-by-quarter quarter scores here just to paint the picture. So in the first quarter, uh, Frio beat us four goals, four to our three goals, three. And then in the second, uh, we won three goals, five to Frio's two goals, one. And this is the, the run here. So in the third, we won five, three to Frio's zero, one. So it was that combination of the midway through the second quarter um, and probably all the way through the third. And then in the fourth quarter, we won three goals, three to Frio's two goals, four. And then the end result obviously was a, a, a pretty decent win by 40 points, uh, as we've mentioned already. All right, Steve-O, uh, stats, throw me some numbers, mate. All right, I'm going to talk about tackles because we tackled really, really well in that game. Um, we won the tackle count 64 to 36. 
we typically make 63 tackles. So that was our normal amount of tackles, but we didn't, um, we didn't have Fremantle tackling us nearly as much. And that's about how we move the ball. I think as much as their effort, it's both. Um, they tackled 36. Normally they make 48 tackles. So their tackles were down by 25%. But this is the stat, which when I looked at, I had to think, is this right? Because it was such a, such a massive differential, 28 tackles inside 50 to two. That's insane. <laughs> like that's, I can't remember ever having seen numbers like that in AFL football, 28 to two. Normally we make 12 tackles inside 50. So we made more than double the inside 50 tackles that we normally do. And they normally make seven. So, you know, not even close. And it's almost do. it's almost half of the of the sixty four, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Like a, a lot of that. So it's a huge amount of work going on inside fifty by our, by our pressure forwards and our midfielders to keep the ball in there. Franklin made five by himself inside fifty tackles, which is you know two and a half times more than Fremantle's entire team, which is a pretty impressive effort for a big forward. I thought. Um, and, and Reed, I think I think Reed had three tackles as well. So I think yeah. everyone was contributing. It was yeah, pretty it was, even it was spread. Great. It was, it was a really good effort by the forwards and, and the mids that pushing in there to pressure. And and then the other number, which I thought was interesting, this came up, um, Kelly Underwood brought this up in the commentary during the game. Um, so five of the Swans players have got kids. So there's five fathers playing for the Swans in that game. Um, and we'll soon get to see their kids because the Swans families are currently waiting out hotel quarantine in Queensland. They get out next Thursday, so a week from the day after tomorrow we're recording on a tuesday and by the time they get out it'll be 45 days that they haven't seen their their dads wow. and their kids so um so yeah good good to hear that soon they'll they'll get to catch up with their families in uh, in years gone by that may have uh, i may have not really engaged with something like that but as as you know and as the listeners know a little plugger came along about five weeks ago we had our first uh, born son and yeah i actually can't imagine being apart from him for 45 days so um, yeah, it's a fantastic thing that these guys are being reunited with their family, and uh, hopefully that just um, adds to the the buoyancy of the, of the group. And um, and and yeah, that, it's really really good to hear that they're reconnecting in that way. Yeah, um, and, and as far as we know, I think Franklin, Kennedy, Reed, Hewitt, and Hickey are, are all the ones that um, that have got kids waiting to come out of the hub, out of the yeah, okay. of quarantine quarantine. I should say that's, hub. Yeah. That, that's about right, probably in terms of the age profile of the the list, the squad as well. Um, I think there's a couple of other, um, uh, you know, mid twenties, early thirties players in there. Uh, but let's, well, uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know the relationship status of, of the <laughs> likes of R- Rampy. I'd imagine him in his velvet robe is uh, knocking back offers left, right, and centre. But um, who knows? Maybe <laughs> maybe one of our listeners know his uh, relationship status. But um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm I'm just stoked for them any, either way. And and then obviously those four guys coming out of quarantine, it's all going to come together. And uh, hopefully we, we put it together for the Bombers game, which is another danger game. But listen, for me, mate, I'm, I'm going to sort of touch on the tackles because it was the outstanding stat of the game. But I went through the numbers of uh, pressure acts um, and I, I saw that we actually lost the pressure acts, which I couldn't wrap my head around. Um, but at the same time, we had plus 15 one percenters. So there's something going on there. I think it, it really is that 28 to two inside tackles that was the basis of our pressure. Um, and so, yeah, just somehow um, came to the fore. But either way, either way, we nailed the uncontested possession again. We got plus 35. So I think uh, last week or the week before we were saying the average since round 14 or something is about uh, 48, plus 48 uncontested possessions a game. Um, and so we're, we're there. We're, we're, we're not as high as that, but we're pretty close. So um, obviously coupled with that tackle dominance you've already mentioned, 
we've, we've overwhelmed them with pressure and, and, and keeping that ball. So it, it, it was a, just as uh, Longmuir said, you know, they, they weren't even able to buffer that pressure by getting the ball back. So we denied them of that. So um, another very interesting thing I thought I go through in this very nerdy spreadsheet that I keep of all the stat lines um, that I, I think that uh, you, you're too much of a natural to even bother doing that. I just, I'm the one who <laughs> compiles it all and combs uh, goes through it with a fine tooth comb, but we had in about in a probably there's probably about 30 to 40 stats that we look at or that I look at uh, and we won every single one of them apart from five. So um, we lost everything in the hit in the um, stoppages section, which includes hit outs and clearances. So we got beaten marginally in well, got beaten in hit outs, but marginally in stop um, stop clearances. Um, but everything else, oh, and plus percentage of goals assisted, they beat us by about three or four percent. But everything else was green in our column, and I just thought it didn't feel like a domination by us. But I think in totality, looking back on it, you can go, oh, okay, yeah, no, we actually played pretty well. Um, I then also very quickly went through because I heard one of the commentators talk about um, how many quarters we'd won this year, and this is something I think we'll need to work on. Um, over the coming weeks because it needs to be looked or thought of in a, a wider uh, sort of uh, maybe a con- competition-wide um, sense. But from 76 quarters, we've drawn three, lost 26 and won 47. So I don't know what that means. I don't know where we stand, but you, you'd, you'd think that, um, you know, obviously since round 12, if Fox is saying we're the second-ranked team on win- wins and losses, that a, a good chunk of those uh, quarters will be from round 12 onwards. So there's a bit of homework there for me, Steve-O, for next week. Um, but I, I know, I think you were saying off air that you you take the that that analysis with a bit of a grain of salt. Uh, not, I mean, I don't dismiss it, but I think um, it's just that it's it's hard in the context of a game because, you know, you might, you might lose a quarter by a point or you might win a quarter by six goals and they all get counted equally in that sort of breakdown. So I think it just needs a bit more digging out so you can you can pull the important bits out of it. Yeah, definitely. And maybe that'll tie in with the uh, consecutive goals um, that we've got. We've so All of a sudden, we've got a lot of homework this week. I, don't, I, I mean, I've got myself to blame. I'm sorry. But uh, you're like, don't, don't include me in this. Yeah, yeah. So you, this is your homework. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mate. I'll, all right. I'll, I'll take that upon myself and uh, carry on with it. All right. So favorite moments. What were your favorite moments of the game, mate? I'll start off with, I mean, this isn't really a moment, but it was just really great to see Sam Reed and Ben Ronk out there looking healthy. I mean, they've both missed a lot of footy. Um, ben Ronk hasn't played since round five, 2020. Sam Reed hasn't played since round six of this year. So just really great to see two, um, two guys getting back on the park after a long layoff. Um, but then in terms of the game, I mean, it was the Isaac Heaney show really, wasn't it? Um, in terms of the highlights reel, the one that I'll focus on, um, well, the first one, at least, was his smother in quarter one on Darcy. That was fantastic. I mean, when Darcy gets that ball, and, and a lot of this is on Darcy for just clearly lacking the awareness and the and the um, and the quick um, quick kicking to bang it through. He stood there for a couple of seconds, and Heaney's just lined he, him he up. He readjusted, didn't he? he yeah. You look at him, and he, he almost did a little bit of a ballet dance, shuffle, reshuffle, or something. It was like. Uh, 
And, Get it on your foot, mate. And I think I think he thought that he had more space and time than he had, which is one yeah. part of it. But then, because if you look at um, look at the replay, you can see that Heaney, when the hand pass gets fired out to to Darcy in the goal square, Heaney's still about ten or twelve meters away with a man on him. And then by the time he catches, it was a bit of a loopy hand pass. It wasn't the easiest one in terms of buying time. So that got Heaney a little bit of time. By the time he caught the ball, Heaney's still five meters away. And by the time he's you know stood in a in a um, stood in a little patch on the top of the goal square and decided if he's going to kick it or not, Heaney's mowed him down. So it was, it was a really good piece of just aggressive play from Heaney, which I enjoyed. And um, and then the other one, which is also sort of Heaney related, but more about Errol Goulden, who I always try and find a way to work into the moments every week. Um, Heaney's second goal, but the build up to that, I mean, it was fantastic. That goal came about because, um, because Errol Goulden refused to take the long kick down the line to a contest. We talked about this last week and, and his decision-making and the way he hits those inside kicks. He did the same thing. This was um, this was about five minutes to go in the second quarter. And um, Goulden takes a mark, the ball like on the defensive side of the wing. Um, and he waits. He doesn't just blast it long down the line. He waits and he sees, and then Blakey runs in on the inside. He hits Blakey with that inside kick. Blakey plays on breaking the lines like Blakey does, hits Reed at half forward and Reed turns around and gets Heaney coming out of the goal square and, and Heaney goals. But that all comes back to Errol Goulden having the presence of mind and the and the confidence to wait and take that um, that inside kick. So um, that was my, my other real highlight from the game. This is funny, mate. I think that this is a section we neglected to uh, check before we went online because we've, we've got the exact same moments, mate. <laughs> I... Uh, I I've got I've got the exact same moment. So basically, um, I had the smother from from Isaac the Heat Heaney, his smother on Darcy to his specky over Ryan to his five goals. So just the Heat in general. We'll talk about him in a second. But yeah, Isaac the Heat Heaney was on fire, and I had actually called out that um, the play leading to his second goal as well. So um, you've already done that. But I will add that we actually started that chain from our own um, kick in. So Dawson kicks it into Blakey who kicks to Gordon and then uh, as you've already mentioned, but yeah, I just, uh, for me, that was a beautiful, a beautiful chain. And um, it was just something, it was good to have Reed involved in that. And then obviously Heaney, who was in, in fine form, finish off with it. But um, I will really quickly, what ifs, all right. And this ties into my point about how we uh, had a good chance to, um, to uh, have a crack at some of that percentage. But if we had kicked uh, half of the goals or half of our behinds, if half of our behinds were goals, excluding rush behinds, we would have scored 12-8, 128. And that would have, A, been our biggest score for 2021 and, B, equaled Port in percentage at 121%. So that was a, that was a bit of a big what if. We obviously scored 14 goals, 14 behinds, uh, but got a, a pretty big win anyway. But I just felt like there was a little bit of a, an opportunity there to, to squeeze a few more percentage points out. I will highlight, although I love him, the caveat is I love him dearly, but prior to round 19 against the Dockers, Papley had kicked with about 62% accuracy, so 29 goals, 18 behinds. Against the Dockers, unfortunately, Tommy kicked one goals, five behinds, so it was about 17% accuracy. So he's not the only one to blame in um, us not getting that um, additional percent for sure, but, yeah, I think you'd probably want a few of those back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, he's one – I think he took – the most marks inside 50. So these were, a lot of them were from set shots that he was missing it. So I wonder if he's more accurate from the snap. Do you, do you have a position on that, Steve? A question without notice? 
Uh, I mean, I watched this because I I remember you talking about the accuracy. And I was watching the game, the replay the other night, and um and thinking, you know, how many of these ones should we probably have got there was at least five or six i think that you would think on an average day we probably would have kicked the goal and a couple of them were papley's there was two in particular one one set shot that was pretty awful and another one that didn't even make the distance i think we would expect him to at least score something so yeah he didn't have his best day kicking yeah fair enough look and uh, we're not this is certainly not um nothing against the man the legend tommy papley we love him dearly um, and, and look, we got the win, so that's that's the most important thing. So, all right, well, uh, okay, well, let's move on to the ABOB medal, a bevy of bloods medal, where uh, you and I uh, choose our five best swans on the ground using the five four three two one scoring system, with five points being the best. So, Steve-O, kick us off, mate. Who'd you choose? Okay, I gave five to Josh Kennedy, best on ground. Then Isaac Heaney four, Luke Parker three, Errol Goulden two, and Robbie Fox one vote. Nice one. I chose. Uh, Heaney with five, Parker with four, Kennedy with three, Goulden with two, and one for Nick Lizard Blakey. So we've got Kennedy, Heaney, Parker, Goulden the same, and we diverge on Fox and Blakey. So um, why don't you take Kennedy and Heaney? I'll take Parker and Goulden, and then we can divvy up Fox and Blakey afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I thought Kennedy was dominant. I mean, he was everywhere on the ground. He had 34 touches, seven clearances, seven tackles, 16 contested possessions. All of those were match highs. Um, 28 pressure acts, which was the best for the Swans. He was even better than last week, I think. He won the ball all over the field. And and importantly for me, in that quarter two and quarter three, which is really when you know the game was there to be won, he got 23 touches over quarter two and quarter three, which is a massive effort. He was just at his beast best. Josh Kennedy, and to beat out a bloke who got five goals, which is Isaac Heaney for best on ground, <laughs> means that I, I rated his game because Isaac Heaney was fantastic as well. Five goals, 11 marks. I mean, he was the most dangerous guy on the ground, wasn't he? And, you know, when the game was in the balance, he broke it open with his with his really, really exciting play. So, yeah, so those two were my two best. I'll just really quickly hear, um, I think it was on the couch, they were talking about Heaney. And they were, they were wondering, or they posed the question, is the gap between his best and worst too big? Is he too inconsistent? Um, as a Swans fan, I, I ride the, high, the highs with the lows. And I, I think he, you know, it's a hard position, right? He's a uh, half forward or something. So he's not always going to be kicking five goals. But this, this game was an example of what he can do. It had everything, right? As we've already said, the smother, the specky, the sensational specky. We probably didn't give that enough time. How good was that mark? Going back, he just rode him. He just got up there and he caught the ball at the highest point. The only thing I'm thinking, if he'd got a little bit of elevation off Brian, um, it could have been mark of the year. But we all know that's a, a foregone conclusion with Jack Revolts going back with a flight of the ball. But uh, anyway, all right. So that's the heat. I'm going to quickly talk about Parker and Goulden. So Park's obviously 30 touches, two goals, dominated forward of centre and hit the scoreboard again, as we love to see him do. Yeah, and, and I also, you're hearing he's now in uh, All-Australian um, contention discussion. So he just uh, soldiers on, doesn't he? So it was good to see him, him have another uh, dominant game. Both Kennedy and Parker obviously stepped up again with uh, Mills out. Um, but yeah, okay, Goulden. Okay, so we know you love Goulden. I love Goulden. I think a lot of Swans fans love Goulden. But he, he's been close to... Uh, the past few weeks. You know, he's been playing pretty well, putting some good footy together. But this week he put together a really, really good game. Obviously, plenty of plenty of the ball, got plenty of it, got a goal, 
Uh, most of his touches, uh, 70% were in the defensive half around the wing. Um, and he's a really important transition player. Yeah, so he's definitely playing. Um, he's not playing forward as much as maybe the first half of the season. Um, I, I think that's got to do with just how well he uses it and how good his, his, kicking, his kicking efficiency is. Um, do you want to add anything there, Steve-O, before we go to Fox and Blakey? Oh, just the same thing I say every week, that this guy is the best player from his draft that I've seen play this year. And and honestly, I think if he can put together another four strong weeks, given how open the rising star field is um, this year, there's, there's a lot of really good players that are eligible. Um, if he can put together another solid month, I reckon he's a chance. Yeah, definitely. And let's hope he can, because it would be, uh, I think our last rising star was Hennebury, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have been. No, Mills. Did Mills win it? Did Mills win it? I think so. Mills. Okay, Mills, Hennebury, and then Goods, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. That's it's about right, yeah. I'll double-check that. More homework. All right. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me why, why Foxy, mate. I think the last couple of weeks, he's um, he's, and I'm not sure whether it's because Cunningham has been out and he's playing in a slightly different role or what, but he's been playing much more of a, a ball in hand type role and he gets the ball and he uses it very, very well. And this week he was really good intercepting for us. He was our best intercept player. He had nine intercepts this week, which was, um, which was a great result. And I just feel confident when the ball's in his hand. Um, he's, he's a player that I think you can rely on and he's a, he's a very underrated member of our back line, but a very important member of it. Definitely. And um, I do wonder, though, if he'd been, if he had, um, with Cunningham out these past two weeks, if he'd been playing that um, role. Obviously, Blakey is that key, key player to, to break the lines and, 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 and run forward, really bouncing out of attack. But Fox can also do that because the guy's got a massive tank on him. He's, you know, he, he, I think he's a, he loves endurance running as a, as a pastime. Um, and, and he's got a very good kick on him. So, yeah, he's, um, he's one of these players that we're just very lucky to have to have obtained really. Um, I know we delisted and relisted him and, and all that sort of stuff, but yeah, I, I agree. He's one of our key players, um, certainly key role players. All right. I chose Blakey. Um, we've spoken about him a lot already tonight. Um, he was really looking amazing in that first half. He looked dangerous every time he, he touched the ball, cutting through lines, making things happen. You, you know, you just know that when Blakey cuts through the line and gets a, a couple of bounces underway, something's going to happen. Um, and it certainly looked the goods ever since he switched back to halfback. But especially in the past two or three weeks, he's just he's stringing some really good form together. Um, I think it was the first half where he took uh, a bunch of really awesome intercept marks. In fact, he was second um, behind Fox. Um, he got seven intercept marks. And that's even with um, probably spending uh, most of, uh, I wouldn't say most of the second half off, but he certainly spent a lot of time off. We looked like he had a bit of a, an injury. I think it was either a hip or a rib or something, but he ended up only spending 65% time on ground. So um, yeah, imagine if he went unscathed and, and, and played close to 85, 90%. I think he would have, um, he, he may have even gone on to kick a goal because he was just looking in very good touch, but uh, all right. Have you got anything else to add to that before I move on to fantasy updates, Steve? No, no, Blake was a good pick. I thought he was great, especially in that first half. He played really well. <laughs> Lizard doing his thing. All right, I'm going to give a quick update to uh, on our AFL fantasy team, a bevy of bloods consisting solely of current swans, <coughs> excuse me, uh, plus a few ex-swans to help us out with injury cover. In round 19, ABOB scored 1,609 points, which ranked us 56,245th in weekly scores which was an improvement of about 5,000 places on last week. 
which leaves us sitting 67,823rd overall, which is an improvement of 1,000 places. Uh, three of the top five high scores of the game were Swannies. Uh, Heaney was first with 132, Kennedy third with 125, and Parker fifth with 110. The highest scoring docker was Chera in second with 129. After Heaney, Joey and Parks, Goulden was the next highest swan with 105, followed by Jakey Lloyd, a.k.a. Mr. 100 on 103. Um, for the second week in a row, in Millsy's absence, Kennedy and Parker smashed it, but it was also nice to see Hickey, 99, and Florent, 95, with really solid scores too. Um, I had the captain on Parker rather than Heaney or Kennedy. Um, so captain means you get double points for that player. Um, and But it was still a very tidy score of 220, of course, because he scored 110. Um, in terms of trades, um, obviously the big talking point leading into this podcast, even tonight we were watching earlier, um, was whether or not Buddy was going to be suspended for a week. Um, and if he was, I uh, was going to bring in Logan because he's on the bench. Uh, but I think we'll talk about um, possible ins and outs in segment three. So we'll save it for that. Uh, at this point, Steve, I'll pass over to you for a VFL update. Not much happening in the VFL. Um, they, I think they tried to get a scratch match up, but they couldn't. So in the end, nine Swans players played with the GWS Giants reserves team against Brisbane in the VFL this week. Um, Clark, Stevens and Brand were all listed in the best players. And then the other six who played was McDonald, Schaefer, Campbell, Melican, Gould, and Gray. And they got to experience their first VFL win in quite a while. They helped the Giants beat Brisbane 11 20 86 to 8 11 59. So good that nine of the Swans reserves players got to be involved in that. And that's it. That's what we're up to. The VFL is very much a week to week proposition at the moment. It's, um, it's all up in the air. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Let's move on to the MRO, obviously, because it's a massive talking point. So um, I'll just lead off with, with ramps. Dane Rampey charged with tripping Michael Walters during Walters, sorry, during the second quarter, $2,000 sanction with an early plea, uh, deemed intentional conduct, low impact body contact. But the big one, Steve-O, is Buddy, Lance Buddy Franklin. Talk us through that, mate. Um, well, the good news is he's playing for Swans fans, so it's, it's all you. over. Yep. So Buddy is clear to play. Um, he was initially charged with striking Luke Ryan in the second quarter, and he was offered a one-match sanction with an early plea for careless conduct, medium impact and high contact and that on their table of um of offenses that comes out as a one match ban with a with an early plea so the the sore point on it or the the point which they managed to get it reduced down to a fine was the medium impact so um there were three very similar cases that have happened this year one was round one with Ashbury from richmond Another one that in round one from um, from Brisbane was um, was Joe Danaher, and then Luke Shuey against the Swans when he um, when he got Mills in round sixteen, and all of those were graded as low impact despite looking very very similar to the Franklin one, and got fines, and it was very hard to separate Franklin's case from those three, and that's what the Swans were successfully able to argue at the tribunal. They took it to the tribunal on Tuesday night this week and got it downgraded from medium impact to low impact, which left him with a fine rather than um, rather than a suspension, so free to play against Essendon. Um, and, and this really, I mean, this, this whole process is just another example of how much of a mess the AFL's MRO and tribunal system are that it even went through that circuit. Because I'm not arguing that Franklin's um, action shouldn't be suspended. I think that all four of those examples, Asprey, Danaher, Shuey, and Franklin are probably all worth a week. But because the way their system is structured, 
it's chaos and you end up with what we got and, and and franklin is free to play maybe next year they revise their tribunal guidelines or the mro guidelines who knows what happens but um the the important outcome for swans fans is that buddy's playing on the weekend yeah no, no i'm i'm stoked and look i will just give myself a little bit of a shout out as it <laughs> happened um we were in the well texting all the, the boys in the spawn the whatsapp group and you know everyone you know dermot brereton i think off the bat said four weeks in the 80s that'd be four weeks so maybe maybe dermy's gonna have to eat a little bit of his hat this week but um uh, that's not his fault as you said the system is a little bit chaotic but I think everyone agreed that it looked bad enough to be one or two weeks, and I'm not disputing that. But from the very second it happened, I, I instantly thought of that that hit that Shuey did. I'd forgotten about Danaher and Asprey. Um, I think Tom Hawkins hit um, Stephen May as well, but it was slightly different circumstances. Um, but yeah, I just remember those and just said, there's no way that Buddy can, can, they cannot make him a scapegoat. I know he's been in a little bit of hot water for a few other actions this year, um, leading into contests with knees, going a little bit high. Um, but this one, I just thought it would be he would they would put a little bit of tall poppy syndrome, I think, if they would were to single him out and uh, say that this is worse than these other ones that were um, for want uh, a better one of a better term identical. But um, look, I'm I'm very happy. Um, the system needs reworking, but I'm stoked that Buddy can play. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I personally thought the Shuey one was bad. Like if that if that if hit the point of his elbow had to hit. Mills, I mean, it hit Mills anyway, but if the point of his elbow had a hit, made contact, that would have knocked him out for sure. And I think the point of Buddy's elbow did hit, hit um, Luke Ryan and uh, it was all fine. So, yeah. Um... Steve? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, God, mate, I thought I'd lost you. No, I thought no. we had a bit of a, t- a technical, I thought I'd lost you to the, the Finnish Netherlands, uh, Wilder wilderness or something but it's midsummer there isn't it so yeah uh, yeah at least if i got lost in the finnish wilderness you've got um you've got 23 hours a day of sun and and full wi-fi wherever you go so i'd be okay (laughs) all right mate well let's move on (laughs) segment two afl hot topics um we're going to ask a few questions here and then just punch through these real quickly and get on to the preview so question one or topic one charlie robottom sister of uh james robottom as i understand uh was taken as the number one draft pick in AFLW. And I'm going to pass over to you because um, you're our resident um, guru on AFLW. So good news, right? Yeah, great. I mean, um, yeah, Charlie Robin, she's from Oakley Chargers. So the same same program that um, that her brother James has come through. And the way that it works in the AFLW, because it's a it's a part-time competition and, um, and it's unreasonable to expect athletes to move all around the country, you nominate for the draft on a state basis. So Charlie Rowbottom, um, had she gone into the Victorian draft, would have been one of the top couple of picks. There's no doubt about that. She's a very, very strong um, midfielder. And she decided Gold Coast had pick one and she decided, no, I'm going to nominate for Queensland and go up to Gold Coast. So so she's, yep, pick one in the draft and we'll play for Gold Coast in the in the upcoming AFLW season. We're watching her with interest. We'll keep updated on how she's going. That's awesome. Um, maybe eventually she could maybe move over to the Swans. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, that's um, uh, subject to us getting the team. But um, no, it's great news, isn't it? For they're obviously gifted athletes. The the Robottom family. Yeah, they're doing something right. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Um, okay. So that's great news. Congratulations to Charlie and the Robottom family. Um, we'll get behind you. Uh, uh, hopefully, see you in red and white one day. All right. Number two, Stevo. 
which teams will fill up the final spots in the eight? This is a tough one because there really there's there's probably seven positions that are already locked in, and you've got five teams fighting for pick for spot eight. But I've included West Coast just because they're a couple of wins still behind the Swans. West Coast are on ten wins, Swans are on twelve, and West Coast are in seventh. So I've included teams seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, which is West Coast, Giants, Essendon, Richmond, Frio, and St Kilda. I think no one else outside them is going to make the finals. So then I looked at their fixtures and I, I put their fixtures in terms of which games they've got against top six teams, which games they've got against bottom six teams, and then which games that this group of six has got against each other. So the so-called eight point game where you get four, but also deny four points from your opposition. So they, they sometimes call okay. that an eight point game. So, so if we look at it, um, West Coast has got two against the top six and one each against the, the middle and bottom six. GWS has the same. Essendon's got two against the top six and two against the bottom six. Richmond has none against the top six and two each against the, the other two groups. Frio has got one against the top six and then three against um, teams in their same six group and then nothing against the bottom teams. And then St Kilda is the same as West Coast and the Giants. They've got um, two against the top six and one and one. So that shows that Richmond has got the easiest draw and then possibly it's a flip up between the rest of them. But in terms of ease of fixture, Richmond has it. So they'd be the the likely one. The Giants have the advantage though that they are in the eight and they're ahead. So teams need to overtake them. So I'm going to say Giants. Okay, so, all right. So West Coast holds and Giants? Yeah, yeah I think Seven West Coast stay where they are. I think the eight will stay as it is. I think... Um, and I think Richmond will be the one possibly able to displace the Giants. Essendon, if they get on a good run, Essendon needs to beat Sydney this week. They absolutely need to beat Sydney to have a chance. Yeah, okay. All right, we'll, we'll get into the tip uh, um, mm. after the preview. So, okay, that's interesting. I think I think um, the Eagles will do enough to hold. I don't think Richmond will – I don't think they're going to make the eight. I'm just going to say it. Look, I I just – I don't think – Dusty's out. Um, you know, they haven't been playing well. I think it's yeah. I think it's really between Essendon and and the Giants, and obviously the Giants beating Essendon um, this last round or on Sunday night. That was it. They went a big way. Uh, the, the 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 big stuff up for the Giants really was that draw against the Ruse because they're sitting on nine wins, eight losses, one draw. That was that's the one I think that'll hurt them if they end up missing out. But uh, anyway, be interesting to see. So. Because of this, Stevo, there's been a bit of chat in, in footy circles about the idea of a wild card series between teams from seventh to tenth to decide who plays in finals. What do you think of that? I think it's pointless. I think the only reason it comes up is because <laughs> they've now got this situation where they've got this pre-finals buy and they realise they've got no footy. They've got to put on um, like some Legends game or something is the only footy they can chuck on and they want something to get back on the TV. And that's what we've got now. Like we've effectively got, if, if you look at what we've just gone through, the next four weeks pretty much is those six teams playing off against each other to get those final two spots. So what's the point in it? Just and, and come on, like the team that finishes 10th often doesn't even have a positive win-loss record. Why should they even get a crack to be in the finals? I, I think just leave it as it is. Yeah, I agree. I think if, you, if, you're, not in the set, if you're not in the eight after 22, 23 rounds, then you probably don't deserve to, to be in there. And, and look, you, you shouldn't just be coming up with excuses to, um, to capture more airtime. I know, I know that in a business and a marketing sense that, that they would, but yeah, I think that uh, it's unnecessary and I, I'm fine with the structure as is. All right, um, last question very quickly. If Buddy kicks his thousandth goal during a final or even 
during the rest of the, the home and away regular season, can slash will fans still be able to run onto the field? Yeah, and I guess I guess what you're sort of alluding to here is the the possibility that by running on the field you might be breaching some sort of public health order and potentially having to fine, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 people. Um, if it happens in a state where they have those rules. You know what I really hope? I hope we don't have to deal with this. I hope that by the end of this season, Buddy is like one or two goals away from the milestone and they schedule round one 2022 at the SCG and he kicks it at home and then we don't have to worry about it. So just we'll just repeat that for everyone at Swans headquarters. Um, so please make it that we win the flag, but Buddy ends on 998 and then he kicks his 1,000. Uh, goal at that first game at the SCG next year. That's that's your humble and simple request, Steve. Just checking. That, that would be perfect. Yes, I would love that. I might even be able to get over <laughs> for the game. They might have um they might have dropped the dropped the incoming traveller restriction so I can get over and watch it. <laughs> That'd be unreal. Uh, you mentioned um, the the state obviously um, regulations amidst the the COVID nineteen and all that. So I think uh, there's two games down in Tassie. We'll uh, list up in the when we do the tips later on. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're saying that every single spectator attending the game has to wear masks the whole time, unless you're, um, I think it's eating food or maybe taking a sip of of, of beer or whatever. Um, that's even lining up outside the the, the field. So yeah, um, you can imagine if this um, if Buddy was playing and it's in Melbourne and there's no crowd, or well, no crowd is simple, but doesn't it doesn't come into effect with the COVID stuff. Imagine if he kicked his thousandth with no crowd though. Jeez, that'd uh, it'd be, be horrible. Like I felt for Travis. That'd buddy. be a travesty. Like yeah. last week oh. against um against the Port Adelaide versus Collingwood, Travis Boak played his 300th game at I think Marvel Stadium in front of nobody. And you know he's a he's a very dignified character and he he handled it all very well. But I, I did feel for him not getting to do that because um, that game was supposed to be in Adelaide in front of his home crowd, but then it didn't happen. Yeah, I look. I'm gonna. This is this is gonna sound a bit dodgy. I I'd wondered if. <laughs> if Buddy uh, threw the elbow to have a couple of weeks off. So it's like, because he's like, I'm in really good form. The only thing that's going to slow me down is uh, an injury or a match suspension. So I was wondered if it was a really malevolent ploy, but obviously he's off and he's playing and that's fantastic. And that's, we want him to play uh, because we're much better with him. All right. Uh, well, maybe, maybe he, because um, his family comes out of quarantine in 10 days. So maybe he, he thought he'd have a week off before he had to go back to being a full-time dad. Yeah, just a little bit of a uh, a holiday before the yeah, uh, a little, little freshen up on the Gold Coast, <laughs> a staycation in the uh, Gold Coast Club. <laughs> All right, fair play. All right, so let's move on to the next segment, the round ahead preview. In this last segment, we're going to preview the most important game of the next round. Of course, that is the Swannies' next game. After that, we'll finish off with our tips for the rest of the round. So, Game Six of Round Twenty is listed as an away game for the still sixth place Bloods taking place this Saturday, the 31st of July at Metricon Stadium on the... Oh, sorry. I beg your pardon. It's at the Gabba, um, which is in Brisbane, obviously Queensland, against the ninth-placed Essendon Bombers with first bounce at 7.40pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Um, So in terms of injury status and team changes, how do we pull up after the Dockers, Steve-Owen, and what changes might we be looking at? Um, Pretty good. Uh, Reed and Blakey look like they had um, a couple of knocks in the game, but both seem to be all right. There's been nothing reported out of them. Uh, Franklin is in, so that was going to be a potential forced out, but he's fine. Um, we've got a very short injury list. The only injury lists we have, injury list concerns we have, is um, is Sam Naismith, who's out with his ACL for 
we don't know how long. And then Warner with um with a shin, which is a, listed as a test now, and he's back in full training apparently. So that's it. That's the only injury concerns. But it's incredible. Yeah, it really it's, is it's, incredible. It is unheard of to have that sort of injury list at this time of the year. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, but but then we do have the problem. Well, not a problem. It's a good problem to have that um, that our quarantine players are coming out of quarantine Tuesday night. So tonight at midnight they can train from Wednesday, which means that you would assume that they will be available for selection. So that means that of those four that are in there, which is Mills, Cunningham, O'Reardon, and Sinclair, Mills and Cunningham, you would think are straight back into the twenty-two. So someone has to come out. Um, yeah, I'm not sure who. Whoever is, it's going to be going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be very tough. Look, I, I just had a quick uh, look, Steve-O, through the injury lists um, on the AFL website, and we are the, we're sitting pretty. We're, we're the, we have the best um, status at the moment. The, the next best team is Melbourne, uh, and they've got five injuries. And I, I would have thought that five injuries at this point of the season was amazing. But, yeah, two, uh, one being indefinite, one being uh, test is quite incredible, isn't it? So back to your uh, Mills and Cunners. Yeah, they, they obviously come back in. Um, have you suggested who might be out for them? Oh, look, I think whoever gets left out is going to be pretty hard done by because, um, you know, the team's playing really, really well, which means everyone's playing their roles. Um, I guess Bell, Rowbottom and Ronk are probably the three that would be um, that'd be under question. Ronk for me, I don't know. He's only played one week. It was his first week back. It depends what their plan is with him, like whether their plan has been just to bring him back for a week and then put him back to the reserves um, and then um, just to get a bit of touch or whatever, or whether they want to give him a block of games. So that's up and down. Bell has had a really good run of it lately. Um, he's been doing well, and he's he started to grow into his role in the senior team. And Robot, and we know, is a good player. So whichever two of those guys get left out, it's going to be um, going to be tough. Bit stiff, yeah. Look, I think um, I'm with you. It's like why bring Ronk in to rest him after one week? It's a bit of a, a strategically, it's a bit confusing. But yeah, Bell acknowledging that he doesn't light up the stats and I don't think he's ever been that player. He may never be that player, but um, remember Buddy's first goal, uh, Bell delivered a very, very nice inside 50 kick to him. Um, and he's just, he's, over the past three, four weeks, he's part of a team that's won four in a row and he's just playing his role and 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 he's really not doing anything wrong. So yeah, I, I don't know, but um, in terms of Rowie, I just think he's got the most upside. So um, yeah, it's it's a good problem to have. And I think we've, we've sort of said this um, for the last three weeks or so now, um, or four weeks now. But, um, yeah, you, you'd have to say Mills and Cunningham back in. And uh, I guess we'll leave it up to the guys that get paid for this to make the yeah, hard calls. Cause, exactly. Because I don't know. I, I'm really I'm, – I'm struggling. Um, but, uh, gun to my head, I'm going to drop Bell and Robottom. Yeah, okay. I would, I would, I would go with Ronk and, Ronk and Bell, I think. I just think Rowie um, is a, additional midfield uh, support but can also – play a, a pressure forward role if he needs to. So, um, yeah, but we'll wait and see. So it's Tuesday night now. Team's obviously on Thursday. So very much looking forward to that. I'll announce the teams on our Facebook page at A Bevy of Bloods. In terms of the Bombers, mate, how are they looking? Pretty good. They didn't have any reported injuries from their um, from their loss to the Giants. Um, the two possible ins, at least as reported um, in the in the footy media, is maybe Langford and Guelphie might come in um, for some of their more fringe players, I guess. But otherwise, they're looking pretty fine. Shields back, um, Mister Mister Kick Efficiency. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit of a slant. Sorry, sorry, Dylan, if you're listening. Um, all right, um, performance prediction, mate. All right, which one he flies high and why? 
All right. Last week, I asked for Errol Goulden to really amp it up, and he did. He was fantastic. You know, best players. He nailed it. Yeah. Steve O Rocket. Steve O Rocket. Uh, that was the four week thing because usually after a long layoff, around about four weeks is is when you expect them to be you know really up and about again. And I was I was hoping he'd prove me right, and he did. So um, this week, I want Callum Mills to get out of his hotel room, train for a couple of days, and just pick um, pick up where he left off. Yeah, Millsy, nice one. Um, I'm going to go with Lizard, uh, Nick Blakey. I just continue this form that he's been on, and and I think he kicked it behind last week, and maybe even the week before. I can't remember, but he, uh, I think that if he continues to uh, carry on with that dash, um, surely he's going to hit the, the scoreboard. You know, like uh, we know Jordan Dawson can do. So that's what I'm picking. I, I picked Hewitt last week. He was solid, um, mm. but obviously um, Kennedy and Parker um, had the had those main um, those main roles there, but. Um, yeah, this week for me, Lizard to 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 have more hard running off the the halfback line and and kick a a few goals, one at least one goal, kick one goal. So that's me. All right, in terms of opposition danger players, which uh, bombers do we need to be wary of, mate? Uh, there's a couple of guys from the bombers from the from the Victorian goldfields area up around sort of Bendigo, Ballarat area. For those who are familiar, um, first is Jake Stringer. Um, so they're like, like really tough country footballers and playing really, really good footy this year. So Jake Stringer, this year he's kicked three plus goals seven times. That's more than he did in last year and 2019 combined. Um, he had some injuries, but still. And it's his best so far since 2016 where he did it eight times. He kicked three plus goals. He's a game breaker. Like when he's on, he's fantastic. And when he's flying, it's usually because Essendon are, are flying as well. And um, and yeah, then Nick Hind, who's been a real surprise packet, um, He's also having a really, really good year out of the back half. So he's one to watch out for as well. Yeah, definitely. He's he's their sort of Nick Blakey, uh, Cunningham type player, isn't he? Cutting mm. lines. He's got unbelievable pace, hasn't he? I mean, he was with the Saints and then moved over back to the Bombers, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And he was originally in the Bombers VFL team and then he got drafted to the Saints from the Bombers VFL, I think. And then they've, they've pinched him back. Yeah, well played. Like, he's a fantastic player. All right, um, I'm going to say other than Zach Merritt, who's fifth in the league for disposals and 12th for score involvements. It's, it's Darcy Parrish. It's the golden boy of uh, the Essendon football club um, who is having a very, very good year. He's seventh in the league for disposals, fourth for score involvements, sixth for contested possessions. This is a guy, I think in his fifth year of footy, very high draft pick. What was he fifth or something? He was first round and they were playing him as a, as a, as a, as a half forward for the first four years. And now that he's been unleashed in the midfield and he's, he's running amok. Um, that said, he has had his lowest figures have been against uh, the Crows um, and the Giants last week. And that he had two hard tags by young players, Harry Schoenberg at the Crows and Lockie Ash last week with the Giants. So something to keep in the back of our mind. Um, otherwise, Hooker, Tipper and Stringer, as you've already mentioned, they're their, their sources to goal, 33, 32 and 30 goals this year. Obviously, Franklin was panning, but now he's in. So um, for us, it's Franklin, Papley and Heaney are our goal kickers. I will, will say Nick, Nick Cox um, is having a very, very good year as well. Um, but I, like you, Steve-O, would have Errol Goulden ahead of him in the rising star. Um, in terms of winning formula requirements, mate, requirements, what do we need to do to get the win? I think this is another tough game. It's like last week um, and the week before, really. We're playing teams that, you know, need to win to keep their season going. So I think, again, they're going to throw everything at us. And we just need to absorb that pressure, you know, give the pressure back, which is what we did so well 
um, last week against Fremantle and keep the game on our terms because it's it's not an easy game and Essendon know what's at stake if they don't win. So they've got much more to play for than us in a sense. Definitely. I also think that um, we, we do need to put a hard tag on Parrish, either Roe if he gets picked, um, just that idea of a, a young up-and-coming midfielder, or if he doesn't, then Georgie Hewitt, as we know, he can do the job. Um, as well as Tipper, I think uh, we need to put Fox or, or Cunningham or a mix of everyone on him um, to keep him in check because he really is a danger player. Other than that, we just need to obviously keep up our effort, keep up with all this forward, beautiful forward half pressure to get repeat entries and kick some goals. All right, let's move on to recent form and previous meetings. Uh, okay, so as we know, the Swannies are sitting sixth on 12 wins and six losses. The Bombers are ninth with eight wins and 10 losses. The Bombers have won three of the past five games against us. And from the last four, all have been decided by 10 points or less. Our most recent victory against Essendon was in round four this year, obviously, with a three-point win uh, to go four in a row at that point of the season when we could still actually go to the footy. Um, but it's, uh, it, funnily enough, it was uh, our worst goal conversion of the year at 39%, but we still got the win, so that was cool. Um, other than that, as is well documented, Buddy, absolute, he torments the Bombers. He's kicked 73 goals against Essendon, which is the most for him against any one club. So obviously we are very happy to have him back in. Um, in terms of Essendon, they've had eight wins against uh, teams that you could say are all pretty much low-lying teams. So they've beaten Saints, Collingwood, Fremantle, Ruse, Eagles, Hawks, uh, Crows and Ruse. Um, in terms of head-to-head, um, in terms of stats, uh, goals, Sydney uh, have the third most amount of goals, Essendon fifth, behinds, Essendon sixth, Sydney seventh. Tackles are obviously Sydney is second, Essendon seventh. Inside 50 tackles, Sydney first, dominating, Essendon eighth. In terms of disposals, Sydney sixth, Essendon tenth. And disposal efficiency, Essendon third, Sydney sixth. So seeming like a pretty well-rounded game that's going to be another high-pressure game. Um, should be a cracker. But with all that in mind, Steve-O, who are you tipping? I'm going to tip the Swans, but not with a great degree of confidence because, as I said before, I think that we're every chance of slipping up in one of these final couple against these mid-ranked teams that have really got something to play for. But I'm going to tip the Swans. Yeah, look, so uh, I, I will add here, we are four wins from our last five, but if we do win this, it'll be five in a row. And that, that'll, that'll become our, our longest win streak of this year. So certainly a lot to play for. Essendon's recent form, obviously, they've had two wins from their last five. Two of those wins have been against the Ruse, 18th, and the Hawks, 17th. So with Buddy back in and coupled with, you know, the fact that we've got um, our families coming back, we've got our gun players coming back, I do think it's going to be tight, but I think the Swans are going to get the win. That's my pick. So we're both going Swannies, yeah? Yeah, I think the Swans will get it. I hope they do. You can't Swannies. All right, um, Steve-O. If a group of swans is called a bevy, then what is a group of bombers called? Yeah, look, this is another double-up game. They, they're getting getting tough. They're making me be more creative. Last time in round four, we settled on a squadron of bombers, um, which is predictable. But I think I'm trying to make it more in the context of the actual footy game. So this week, I think they're going to come at us hard. So we're going to be playing an attack of bombers this week which is pretty intimidating, really, when you think about it. <laughs> when you think of what yeah, a, bomber, they... a bomber can do. 
Yes, they can attack <laughs> and absolutely obliterate masses. So yeah. let's hope they don't obliterate us and um, and I hope we get the W. But yeah. uh, where we're we think- in our air raid shelters, riding riding out the storm. Um, <laughs> there's, there's one other this, thing I wanted to. <laughs> Sorry, this go. is not a World War II podcast, Steve. I know you're. Uh, <laughs> You're a bit of a fan of those World War. I, uh, I love my history podcasts. podcasts. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> um, um, anyway, the other thing I want to mention here is um, it's Retro Round. I don't really know what this means. I don't know when they invented Retro Round, but this week apparently is Retro Round where we celebrate footy from the 90s. And I thought, what better time than to, um, than to remember the 1996 preliminary final against... Essendon, where we got them by a point after the siren when Big Tony Lockett just launched one from outside 50 and got us into the grand final. You were there, weren't you? I was there. Yeah. You were there? Yeah, I, I was there with Dad and my brother. Unreal. R- did you run on the ground? We did. Yeah, we went on. Awesome. It was so good. I'll never forget that. That was unreal. <laughs> it was such such a shame to not get the uh, the grand final win that year, but um, that was certainly one to remember, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was weird too. Somehow that 96 year was even more exciting than like 05 or 2012 because it was the first time we'd been good in like forever so it was yeah. such a such a roller coaster journey you know just it built and built and built throughout the year and then we got that prelim final and i think you know i didn't even didn't even mind so much in hindsight that we lost it because that prelim final the grand final i mean because that prelim was just amazing yeah i don't know mate i think i would have uh, enjoyed winning the grand final as yeah well, i would have liked yeah, it no. too you know i would have been very happy <laughs> to have won it. i'm trying to rationalize 25 years later on <laughs> well played all right well uh yeah so let's hope yep. we can embrace some of that uh unreal plugger locket uh vibes and and well not not just win by one but hopefully we can get a good solid win up against the bombers all right yeah. so um we're going to finish off with the rest of the tips for our for the round um and we'll just quickly run through those so game one is 12th place saints versus 13th place blues at marvel on friday night i'm picking the saints yeah me too saints Game two, first place Bulldogs versus 15th place Crows at Mars in Ballarat, Saturday Arvo. I'm going the doggies. Yeah, dogs for sure. Game three, 18th place Kangaroos versus second place Cats at uh, in, in Lonnie in, down Tasmania, Blundstone Arena on Saturday Arvo. Uh, the Cats, but you never know. Yeah, I'll take the Cats. They're looking good. Yeah, game four, uh, 14th place Suns versus third place Demons. Uh, ground to be confirmed on Saturday Twilight. Uh, Demons, surely. Me too, Demons, yep. Game five, 16th place Magpies versus 7th place Eagles at the MCG Saturday evening. I'm um, going to go the Eagles, even though it's in Melbourne. Yeah, Eagles, they need it. They need to win. They do. Game six, 9th place Bombers versus 6th place Swannies. Oh, that's us. We're both going the Swannies. Up the Bloods. Um, game seven, 17th place Hawks versus 5th place Lions at uh, Utahs down in Hobart. Sunday, Arvo, I'm going the Lions. Yeah, me too. It's a it's a really disbalanced, that's not even a word, imbalanced around a footy. Hey, if you look at here, six, yeah. six, six of the nine games this round are teams in the eight versus teams outside the eight. So, yeah, the tips are all the this same. Might, this might be a good joke around. But yeah, I've, I've said that before this year. And, uh, I'm, you got I'm torched. Yeah. Um, the Hawks winning will help us, though, just quietly. Mm, yep. Yeah. So we'll see how we go. All right. Game eight, uh, eighth place Giants versus fourth place Power uh, at, to be confirmed, Sunday Twilight. I'm going to Power. I'm going to go the Giants just for a point of difference. And also Toby Green's back and I reckon he's going to run a muck. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a good point. Damn. All right. Game nine, 11th place Dockers versus 10th place Tigers at Optus Stadium in Perth, Sunday night. Tigers must win. Absolutely must win. 
Yeah, and Fremantle look pretty cooked, hey? I'll say Richmond as well. Yeah, fair play. All right, so what? Are, how are we sitting? Um, after round 19, I'm on 106 and you're on 104. Is that right? Yep, very close. Oh, very close. Neck and neck. All right. Well, Steve-O, that brings us to the end of this episode. You got anything else to add at this point? No, not at all. Um, yeah, good to, good to chat. Yeah, nice one, mate. All right. So on behalf of the Bevy, I would like to say thank you, everyone, for listening in. We look forward to you joining us next time. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Bevy of Bloods for updates and announcements. Please also feel free to check out A Quick Bevy with Swans Flans on YouTube and Spotify or wherever you check out your videos and podcasts. Last week, we had Nick Smith on. 2012 Premiership Defender, a.k.a. Smooch. He was an absolute legend. Check it out. Uh, of course, a quick baby is a 10-minute weekly bonus series by me and a few mates, um, Chris and Brett, uh, members from the O'Reilly stand, in which we take it in turns racing the clock to answer some Swans-related questions. Until then, up the bloods and can't use Swannies. <laughs>